Hi, this is Sandy Rios of Sandy Rios 24-7. And uh, before I get into content, let me just thank Preborn. They are the sponsor of this show, and for that we're very grateful. And I'm so grateful to all of you for your generosity. It is noted by Preborn how many of my listeners are helping to save babies. You guys are absolutely remarkable. If you haven't uh, joined us to help provide ultrasounds for women who are not sure about whether they want to take their babies to term, then you can do that by going to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. Today, the issue we're going to talk about is really important to each and every one of us. Because um, I don't know about you, but I've been driving a car since actually before I was 16. My dad put me behind the wheel when I couldn't even reach the pedals. I'd sit on his lap and try to steer. Um, In fact, I remember... When I was a kid, he told me I could drive because I loved it. We lived out in the country. If I would drive over Possum Bridge, <laughs> Possum Bridge Ed was a wooden bridge with like two planks, and it scared me to death. But I loved driving so much that I would say yes in order to be able to drive. Driving was part of my life, was it? Perhaps part of yours too. Uh, looking forward to getting your driver's license and having freedom, maybe sometimes more than you should have had. But Honestly, driving cars is kind of the the lifebread, the hub of commerce in this country. It's also the hub of our recreation. We go on vacations. We go, I don't know, drive to a mall. We uh, drive to go out to dinner. We drive to meet friends. We drive to meet family. Can you imagine your life without a car that was able to do that? Well, that's exactly where the Biden administration is pushing us, pushing us uh, into electric cars, which can never do what our coal power fossil fuel cars are able to do. And we're going to make that case today uh, in a very clear way. So I hope you'll take out pencil and paper uh, and just sit back and relax for this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. They're among America's fastest-selling cars, average price, an eye-popping $58,000. Electric vehicles, EVs, make up 7% of new car sales. Now the Biden administration wants to accelerate the green revolution with tougher emission standards. And industry sources say requiring that EVs make up at least 54% of automakers' new car sales by 2030, two-thirds of sales by 2032. Running on a cleaner grid, making and inventing the technology is going to power the future. Automakers are already investing billions to transition from gas to electric. General Motors CEO Mary Barra. The quicker we can bring everyone along to EVs, uh, the better it's going to be for climate. We've seen the green revolution firsthand from the assembly line. 3,000 pounds of lithium-ion cells helping the Hummer to accelerate from 0 to 60 in 3 seconds. To the front line, 
Eventually, they want to take their whole fleet electric. Just two years ago, automakers agreed that EVs would make up half their sales by 2030. Now the industry says the new White House goals aren't realistic. Writing in a statement, this requires a massive 100-year change to the U.S. industrial base and the way Americans drive. And there are a lot of things that have to happen to get us to a full EV culture. Including raw materials, charging stations, and the electric grid to power it. For now, sticker shock may convince many Americans to stick with their gas guzzlers. Tom Costello, NBC News, Washington. All right, Sandy Rios with you on Sandy Rios 24-7. All right, so we talk about a lot of things, and most of it affects some of you. But this is a topic that really, unless you walk to work or you've never had a car, you don't want to have a car, this story, this headline, this effort by the Biden administration affects each and every one of you, and you cannot avoid it. Uh, I often tell you that you will not be able to avoid taking a stand on issues because they will not let you, they will be forcing you to bow the knee, well, on whatever issue it might be. But today, this is about something practical. Uh, it's about how we make a living, how we uh, go buy groceries, how we uh, do commerce, <clears throat> how we service our customers, uh, how we do life. Uh, cars are part of the DNA of American culture, in part because we're such a large company, uh, country, but also because it just is. And I could go on a rant about that, but I won't. I want to talk to you about what's happening with the Biden administration right now and what they're getting ready to force on each and every one of us. I want to introduce Tom Pyle. Tom is a good friend. He's the president of the American Energy Alliance, and his organization is very much involved in this. Uh, so I've asked him to join us. Tom, thanks for joining. Thank you so much for having me back, Sandy. I'll say, now, Tom, this is complex, and so I know you're great at making this understandable. I want to go right to what President Biden just did. I see it called the EV acceleration challenge now maybe that's just part of the story here uh but is that what is that what is he trying to do here so what this is about is is that the president and his supporters and particularly his uh, environmental constituencies want to force us all into electric vehicles and this hasn't isn't just a recent phenomenon this has been going on since president obama um the auto industry I don't have a ton of sympathy for them because they have sort of largely played along with this agenda. And the reason is, is because they've been given huge amounts of tax money, tax subsidies to, to help do this. And so they were ha happy to play along. And now we've gotten into a situation where this rule this president pushed out last week would try to force us by 2030 to have 60% of our vehicles be electric vehicles. Now, we're currently at about 6%. So he wants to go from 6 to 60. Now, wow. there's a whole, we can get into a whole host of reasons how and why that is a bad thing to do. Um, and we can start with the impact of, of uh, the cost, which I think is the most important thing to your listeners. The average vehicle that was mentioned in the in the opening is is it's actually closer to sixty thousand dollars for the average electric vehicle compared to a regular gas uh, gas powered uh, uh, car. There's so, massive problems with the, with batteries. 
all of these auto companies have basically made all these lofty promises about how many cars they can produce. And every time they get into production, they have production problems and they stop production or they have massive recalls. So, you know, even getting to that number is probably not possible. Then you have the, uh, the, the issue of the fact that almost all the minerals and materials that are required to go into the battery technology for these vehicles and wind and solar and things like that, 80%, Sandy, are controlled by China. One country controls 80% of either the mining or the, or the material processing for the, for the minerals and materials that go into these uh-huh. products. Tom, let's come back to that. Let's come back to that. Let's go back to real simple. Electric cars, we've been told, and I think a lot of people believe, are clean. They're kind of cute. They're making some really cute cars. Tesla's kind of fascinating. Uh, and we this will get us free of gasoline. And electric is so cheap. And uh, isn't this, like, good? I think a lot of people think this is really good. Let's say we could. We're going to talk about a lot of the parts of this, but let's say we could do enough charging stations. We could get them to run longer. We could get them, uh, you know, up and running, and we could meet meet this goal by 2030, and that people start driving them, and it just they're great. What 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 is the thing that prevents this, from your perspective, from being an eventual solution to whatever concerns about? quote-unquote, climate change. What would prevent electric cars from being the solution to that? Well, it's not a solution to climate change um, because we're still, as, as, a, as a world, we're still going to use uh, all, like, CO2 emissions come from everywhere. They come from us. They come from making cement, making buildings. Uh, from agriculture, from food products. CO2 is, is so like prevalent that switching us off of gas-powered vehicles uh, and, and electric vehicles isn't going to make a dent in what their stated goal uh, of reducing emissions is. And the other thing is you're just changing one environmental issue for another. So, for example... Where are we going to store all the stuff, the, the, the gunk, the sludge that these batteries contain when, they're, when, they're, when they go, when they die, right? We, we turn our, we don't take, theoretically, we're not supposed to throw our batteries for our, uh, for our you know, uh, little double A's and stuff in the garbage. We're supposed to recycle it, right? Same difference, but these are big monster batteries that are underneath the, the chassis. So uh, it's, and the processing of all these minerals and materials requires big mining operations, and I'm not against any of it, uh, requires processing, which creates waste and things like that. And so what we're really, what they're really doing is just trading one sort of environmental issue for another environmental issue. And that's the big rub I have with this, mm-hmm. is that they're not talking about every, every time we produce something, every time we make something, energy has this great, you know, benefit for us, but every energy source has an environmental trade-off. None of them are free. So it's, it's really a red herring uh, more so than anything else, in my opinion. 
Oh. Um, so on the environment side, that's an issue. But if you look at Sandy, the security issue is what really three things: choice, control, and freedom. And, and an element of that is security. This is about micromanaging how we live. It's about telling us what kind of cars we can drive, uh, what kind of gas, what kind of stoves we can use. They want to ban gas stoves. Um, it's about the government, you know, basically like getting involved in our lives to the level of literally telling us what cars we're allowed to drive. And I got a problem with that. Yeah, so. well, I do too. Especially, you know, I came up with the car generation. I had a car. My dad bought and sold cars. I love cars. I still love cars. I love cars. Uh, so I have a definite bias. But even so, Tom, correct me, please, if I'm wrong. And we're going to get to talk about the nuts and bolts so people will understand why I'm saying this. I don't think uh, the goal is to get us in these nice little clean cars. I think the goal is to get us all in those cars and only to discover that they don't function the way we need them to function in our country, in our, in our lifestyle, or just at all. Because I think the goal is to get us into big cities, uh, populated areas, uh, and take public transportation. I don't think the goal is to actually give us good transportation. Would you agree with that, or am I off the I, I, I will agree with you, and I'll take it one step beyond that. Uh, the goal is to make less cars available for us to buy. Because they do want to force us into cities, and they want to force us into public transportation, and they want to—they they think somehow that we can just go back to some little house in the prairie situation, and everyone's just going to be happy and hunky dory. Um, they don't like—they don't like capitalism. They don't like the the free market economic system. They don't—they think they know better what is best for us as consumers, and. It is part of their agenda to get us out of cars, period. Now, EVs are fine if you can afford it, if you're interested in it and all that. I'm not saying we shouldn't have EVs. I'm not going that way. What I'm saying is let us choose, right? You look at who's buying EVs now. We're subsidizing really, really wealthy people for what I call a lifestyle product, much like one of those fancy watches that I could never afford, Right. All yes. of this is costing us money because we're paying our tax dollars and then they're subsidizing the companies that produce these cars and individuals who are buying these cars who on average make over $150,000 a year, right? Mm. So we're paying twice for, for someone else to be able to drive around in their like luxury lifestyle vehicle car. That's often their third or fourth car, by the way, Sandy, right? Mm. Exactly. It's like their fun car. It's like the sports car they keep in the garage for special occasions. Right, That's and that good. reminds me. I think Joe, President Biden, should lead by example and give up his Corvette. Yes, exactly. Totally. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Yeah. But you know what? Totalitarianism is always about uh, the people. You know, just peasants. It's not the people at the top, and he's a great example of that. And that's a very good word. He thinks this is so funny. He thinks this is funny. I, I just, um, anyway, all right, let's talk practically, though. Uh, I have such a yep. bias, I forget to kind of lay the case out. And so we need to do that. Yes. The regulations that they're putting right now, the, the problem is, as I understand it, Tom, if we don't comply, and we'll get into the, what they're asking us, we will be fine. We will be punished. It's not like, I just don't want to do it. You know, I'm just not interested. You will be punished, will you not? Well, you, you won't be able to afford a vehicle, 
And so you'll be punished in that regard. They won't, like, because, for example, they can't take your car away from you, right? So there'll be a lot of implications uh, to this, right? Used cars will become more and more expensive because the as they roll out, as they get older and roll out, then there'll be less of them available, right? Uh, which actually hurts poor people, people on fixed incomes, a tremendous amount. Young kids who are getting their first vehicle, for example, right? If you start making those cars so much more expensive on top of the, the fact that new cars are getting more and more expensive, you're taking away their freedom, you're taking away their mobility. Uh, I just, can you give you a real-world example, if you don't mind indulging me? No, please. A, one, a wonderful woman named Nelsie Grande. Uh, I, I literally ran into her at a, a, a deli, and she was new to this country, and she was handing out business cards because she wanted to start a housekeeping business. And I took a flyer out on her, and I said, great, let's do this. Um, she'd asked me to please kindly provide all my own cleaning materials and my own vacuum cleaner and everything else because she didn't have a car, and she had to t- take public transportation for all of her jobs. Well, then she had enough money to afford a car so she could drive to her own jobs and she could bring her own things, and so she got even more business. And that woman now runs a housekeeping business and owns a butcher shop. And now she's a businesswoman, <laughs> a small businesswoman. And she said to me, I couldn't do this. I couldn't be where I am if I didn't have that car. And if the rules in place today were in place then, it would be five, maybe six years later that she could actually get into that car to begin that process. So it's a very, has a very real impact on people. So these bureaucrats and lawyers and green activists who are sitting around in rooms cooking up these rules, telling us what we can do and can't do, they're not affected by this stuff. But Nelsie was. The, my daughter, who's going to be driving soon, God, God I can't believe it, uh, <laughs> she's going to be affected by this, especially if I want her to earn her bones and buy her own car, right? Yes. yes. So that's a real impact on this stuff. Absolutely. Um, the automakers will do it if, as long as the government keeps ponying up. And that's a problem, too, because now all of a sudden we live in a country where government and big corporations are basically just the, – the new, their new customer is the government and not us, right? Now, yes. They're not making cars that we want based on our preferences. They're making cars that the government is basically feeding and forcing them to make. Tom, you've just given us so much to think about, but let's go back. Now, let's talk about these batteries. Because mm-hmm. um, most people think electricity is clean. We use it in our homes. It's clean, according to the environmentalists. But these electric, uh, these, these uh, batteries that power electric cars, are not, they don't come out of thin air. I mean, they have to be powered by something. Explain to us why it's not what the environmentalists lead us to believe they still need fossil fuels right oh absolutely uh they absolutely still need fossil fuels in order to actually be the assembly line is powered by electricity and and generated by coal or oil or source coal or natural gas Um, the batteries themselves this is i want to talk about this is important Batteries themselves have a lot of elements in them, cobalt, lithium. There's many of these sort of minerals and and, uh, materials that have to be mined and processed, okay? Well, there are a few places right now where there are active cobalt mines. One of them is in Africa, 
in the Congo, and they're being mined by children who are like eight and ten years old, right? So uh, we're forcing forced labor, child labor is being used to to, to dig that material out of the ground in China. Um, the polysilicon for solar panels, for example, the other materials that are being processed, uh, once you pull these out, you have to process them so they're available for, for the battery. Um, they're being, uh, they're deploying slave labor. The Uyghurs in China are doing most of the work, and they're enslaved by the Chinese government. And again, I mentioned 80% of the materials and, comp- uh, 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 and components for EVs and batteries and renewables like uh, solar panels, polysilicon, is all controlled or um, uh, owned by China. So they're they're not cheap already. They're expensive, but they'd be even more expensive if we were, for example, doing those things here where we take care of our workers, where we don't have those kind of situations, and, and certainly we don't enslave people and force them uh, to do labor for us. So they're not going to be cheaper ever than a gas-powered vehicle. They're not as environmentally friendly because, as you mentioned, all of the things that go into the cars run by electricity, and the cars themselves need electricity, and you've got to power the grid somehow. But it's also a risk for our security, uh, both national and personal, because, and I want to get go back to the other thing you said, if we switch over to this all-electric you know, fleet, we take out the diversity of our energy. Who's to say the government can't flip a switch, turn these things off? Who's to say China can't throw something crazy our way? You know, we've seen sabotage, cyber sabotage and things like that, right? And then I'll give you a crazy example. In California recently when they have uh, a severe uh, heat, the governor, Governor Newsom, who's the, the first guy to force these EVs on us, said, oh, by the way, for the next three days, you can't charge your electric vehicle because we've got to save electricity. Oh. So well, so there you at. go. Again, I, it goes back to that power and control. You yeah. get us in EVs, they can turn the dial up and down as they please. Well, let's talk a little bit more about the materials like the lithium and the cobalt and those things because my understanding, Tom, is that, well, this is my broad understanding, this, there's maybe only a couple of places in the United States where it might even be possible to find those things. And even if we are able to develop that, I know there's some pushback from environmentalists in a couple of those places, maybe you could say something about that, uh, that we still have to ship it to China to be processed, Right. We can't just yep. use our raw lithium, and uh, we have to. China has the plants and the technology to prepare it. So he's the, either way, China has to be involved in this. Is it possible to do it? Like, yeah. does Elon Musk go through China for the Teslas? Oh yeah, uh, he's got plants there, uh, and he's and actually Ch- Tesla is a big market for China because China itself. Uh, this is the irony: China itself is imposing uh, uh, electric vehicles on there. Uh, on their citizens, but for a vastly different reason than we are, ironically, they don't have oil and gas. So they are dependent on other people for their oil and gas. And so they burn their coal, which is what the Greens want us to get off of in the first place, 
to make the the, the batteries, to make the uh, <laughs> solar panels, et cetera. But they want to get off of oil because they don't want to be dependent on anyone for their for their energy. We are energy independent thanks to our oil and gas, which is used to run our cars and our transportation system. And our government and our president wants us to trade our independence for dependence on China. And that's not an exaggeration. I just have to chime in here and say that what you just said is not an exaggeration. This is so blatant and so frightening, Tom. It really is. Uh, And, you know, in stopping the production of oil and gas and fracking and all of that and just shutting us down when we were completely energy independent and causing prices to skyrocket for gasoline and uh, home fuels and all of this is just inexcusable. And yet I have, I'm always, I always think back uh, to Barack Obama telling us very clearly in 2007, when he was running for president under my plan, uh, utility prices will necessarily skyrocket. That was the plan all along. That's the plan all along. That's the Green New Deal. That's the Green New Deal. That's what they want. They want us to pay more so that we do less. They want us to, to, to have to be forced to make choices when we can have it all, right? We did a report recently, and I don't want to get back to the mining here in the United States because we actually could do it. Um, we did a report recently called the Environmental Quality um, in, uh, Index. And what we found was that with, with respect to when you compare apples to apples for the production of oil and gas in the world, based on volume, the United States does it better and cleaner than anybody else, right? So we can do it all. We can, we can produce it here. We can uh, export it. And by the way, the benefit is, is that we, because of, of, of our rules and regulations and our technology and our know-how and our ingenuity, we do it better and cleaner. They don't care what they do to the environment in Russia. They don't care what they do to the environment in Venezuela, and by the way, take a look at their political system. That gives you an, exa- uh, you know, an indication as to you know, that very fact. And then lastly, to your point, there are plenty of these materials in America, in the United States. We do have, we're rich in, in some of, and many and most of these materials. We might not have all, you know, we might have a lock on it like we do oil and gas. But the problem there, too, is, is the same people who want to force us uh, to use these materials won't let us mine here in America. We, I, we have a report that we're putting out. There's 15, uh, currently 15 companies that are trying to actively pr- get a mine going in this country, and the biggest impediment is the federal government or lawsuits from the environmentalists, and they're stopping these projects here in America. But the processing, that's the other thing. The processing is not a, fu- a clean business. And these, it's like a NIMBY thing, right? Like these greens would, would rather just you not be thinking about that, right? Out of sight, out of mind. So, Yeah, well, these, are, these electric cars are shiny objects. There's no question about it. Tom, let me ask you some things for just quick answers. Just because we haven't touched on them, and I want us to say something about it. Just the whole business of charging your car. Tell us why that's not working and why it probably won't work. So, so several things. First, the, the infrastructure is not there. Uh, and in places where it is, and, and like silly San Francisco and things like that, I'll just give you one example. Berkeley, which is no you know, conservative bastion, did a study and said that 
every public fast charger in the San Francisco Bay Area, there was 181 of them. They found that less than 73% were functional. Uh-huh. <laughs> so they don't, even where they're, they're building this infrastructure, it doesn't work. Now, let me give you a couple other practical facts. You go to the gas station, you swipe your card, you fill your tank. You, even if you go into the store, grab a pack of gum or a, a bottle of water, come out and leave. How long do you think that takes? I don't know. Three, five <laughs> minutes tops, right? Oh, 30, yes, yes, that, yes. To, 30, 35 minutes to charge one of these bad boys. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and then you have these, these other things. Where it's cold, the battery doesn't last as long. When you're pulling something, the capacity, uh, the miles uh, uh, capacity uh, decreases, right? So they're not there. They're not this panacea. They're a great extra car to get around, to putz around from school to work, or if you're doing running errands and things like that. But you're not going to be, you know, people whose livelihoods require F-150s and F-250s and things like that. That's not going to work for them. And that's, that's flyover country, right, Sandy? That's most of us. Yep. That's middle America. That's the small businesses out there, right? So, you know, the government is basically saying, you, I'm forcing you to pay more for a product that gives you less. And that's their whole, and their whole philosophy when it comes to energy. You know, one of the funniest things I've seen recently was in this past year. I saw a picture, you might have seen this, of a, there was a couple, well, the picture is this. The picture is these miners in hard hats with with their um, their mine the, the trappings of the mine in the background, pushing a couple in an electric car. <laughs> so the story is that there was a couple out of Washington D.C. and they decided to go to West Virginia for a little you know weekend trip, and their car stopped. Only it stopped right outside of a coal uh, mining uh, area, and so the. The miners did, they saw the problem, they came out, they had their hard hats on. And then the next frame of the picture is this little car with this long, long cord plugged into like this little shed out in the middle of nowhere. And the couple, the story is that, you know, of course, they couldn't go anywhere for the weekend because their car ran out of power. But I just, the irony of that was just hilarious. Um, well, so, the, the, the other thing is, too, when you do, when you do get stuck uh, you know, if you call AAA, what the chances are they'll bring a diesel generator to charge your EV battery. And also, some people are now carrying diesel little mini diesel generators in their trunk in order to in order to do that. So the the irony is, and the it's it's not about the environment, Sandy. It's about power control, and it's about awarding their political and financial backers. This whole agenda is about that. It's about telling us what we can do, what kind of energy we can use, and, and, and how we can live our lives. And, and it's about freedom, really, if it, if it comes down to it. I always think about uh, the history of China a bit, because um, the revolution there, the, the uh, revolution in China used people who owned businesses as their shill, their fall guy. Uh, and so anyone who was in business or successful owned a company or whatever became uh, like, it's almost like, it's like calling someone a racist in this country because communism has to have, you know, the, uh, the oppressor and the oppressed. So the oppressors were the business people in China before the revolution. Um, and interestingly enough, Tom, the, the companies in China at that time, the co- companies, whatever they were at the, the beginning of the, the 19th century, 
um, of the 20th century, 1910 or whatever it was, uh, actually folded and ended up cooperating with the communist Chinese incrementally, trying to, you know, like buy off the, the wolf or buy off the snake, whatever you, who was, whoever they were buying off, it was the Chinese Communist Party, and they actually cooperated in bringing communism and uh, totalitarian control into China, thinking that they were saving their own skin, but they weren't. Uh, they fell because, the, of course, the government uh, ended up taking over all public businesses. And I, I sort, of, sort of see corporations doing that very same thing here, thinking they're going to buy some time or win some favor, uh, but it's, uh, it, they're going to be eaten. In the final uh, analysis, they're going to go down, too, with the rest of us. Yeah, uh, that's uh, exactly right. And that's why I don't have a lot of sympathy for the autos, although I was surprised that they actually pushed back last week. Um, and even uh, Debbie Dingle, who is the, the, you know, John Dingle's wife, who took over his seat, the big Goliath uh, from Michigan, who is, you know, loved the autos. She even said, you know, I think uh, everyone cares about global warming, but I'm hearing from too many people in this country. I mean, strong Democrats, that they can't afford an electric vehicle. And so they might have gone over the top, but we can't just assume that. We have got to put the pressure on. I, you know, you mentioned in the beginning, like, this is a practical thing, right? If you if you look at, uh, I don't know if you followed any of the uh, hubbub about the gas stove ban that they're trying yes. to do as well. Yes. This was deep. This was the first instance where I, I saw a visceral response in my world, right? We, we have so many challenges in this country, immigration and everything else that a lot of times people don't think about these energy issues, but that one really sparked uh, and lit a fire in the grassroots because it was like deeply personal, right? Like, Hey, yes. I use my gas stove. It's practical in cold places. Again, it's that diversity. You have an electric, all electric house and the power goes out. You can't boil water. You can't stay warm in some instances. Right. Yes. And so uh, I'm I'm I was energized by the response because this is next, right? This is the next thing. Is is they're going after our cars? And by the way, when in the intro you meant they said gas guzzlers. Yeah, they do consume gasoline, but they're clean. There there's hardly any more emissions, especially the stuff that is actually harmful to us. You know, the smog and the and the knocks and the socks and the things that you know we had to go after. in, you know, cities like L.A. and Houston were really suffering. Um, because the industry did a good job of making them clean and they're reliable and they're affordable. At least they have been up till now. Um, and these companies are making a serious mistake by getting, you know, by getting cozy with the government and letting the government run their business. That's essentially what's happening. They just, they're, they're just staring at that payday of our tax dollars. Yes. I totally agree with you. It started with general electric, as I recall, under Obama and now it's bled to most of them. Is any any car company standing firm? Are they all folding? You know, it's interesting. Toyota, uh, the the CEO of Toyota uh, was was outspoken a few weeks, a few months ago about the the sort of this fallacy of electric vehicles. I, I don't know what happened. Maybe he got a little bit too ahead of his skis, but he got sacked. Andy, uh-huh. he got forced uh-huh. out. Of, of Toyota, um, there was a, the, uh, another car uh, car car owner, uh, one of the luxury brands. I can't remember now, and he has since passed away. 
But he said, this, everyone knows this is a scam. We make these EVs so that we can check a box with the government. They, they're they lost leaders for our companies. Ford just announced uh, last week that they take a $3 billion loss on their electric vehicle division. Mm-hmm. And how do they make that up? They increase the cost of the cars that we're buying, so it makes it harder for us to afford a car or forces us to lease a car or forces us to have a huge payment on a car. Wasting, 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 and the people that get hurt are the people, the citizens who pay taxes and work hard. It's just wrong, but it's typical communism. They hate the middle class, and that's what they're doing. So, Um, It it also hurts uh, the very people they claim they're trying to protect. Right. Yes. They keep talking about this environmental justice and and how these minority communities get the short end of the stick and everything. They're the ones who are getting hurt the most with these policies. Yeah. OK, so one last thing. Uh, what yeah. what can people do? How can we resist this, Tom? Because they're going to punish us if we don't do it. I, I, how are we going to how can we resist? OK, so I'm going to shamelessly plug our website, the American Energy Alliance. AmericanEnergyAlliance.org. And we have so much stuff on there about this and many other important issues that uh, matter. But I only direct people to that because they can sign up for a link uh, for an email, uh, our email list. And we give your listeners the power, the tools to participate in the process. Find out who your rep is, get messages into them. We've got the ability for you to write the president and write the EPA who pushes rule out. Write your car company. Figure out who, which car, which which CEO, um, uh, which car you have. If you have a GM, find out who Mary. You know her name is Mary Barra. Get GM's address in in Detroit. Send them a letter saying, "Why are you doing this to me? You're taking away my choice. You're taking away my Pontiac or whatever. Um, you know, get out get get out of the business of telling me what kind of car to drive and get in the business of making cars that make sense for my lifestyle." So get get active. In other words, uh, express your opposition. Oh, that's great! All right, so AmericanEnergyAlliance.org, AmericanEnergyAlliance.org, and I can tell you that the, they do put out great stuff. I uh, just really great stuff, and that Tom is consistently clear on this. He has been for years. I thought about we didn't talk about electric cars in the past, but it was about energy and. Uh, just the, the, the suppression of it by the Biden administration and before that, the Obama administration. And so the AmericanEnergyAlliance.org is a reliable organization for great information on this issue that you can share with your friends. So uh, Tom Pyle, who's the president of the American Energy Alliance uh, Corporation, joined us today. And Tom, I really do appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sandy. Take care. All right. All right, this has been Sandy Rios, 24-7. This is Sandy Rios, 24-7, on American Family Radio. Okay, Sandy Rios, back with you. Uh, Didn't Tom Pyle do a great job of making it all clear? (laughs) As depressing as it is, I hope you have a better understanding now after that discussion of what it is that we're facing here. And if you have a comment on this, you can call us at 662 821-2040. That's 662-821-2040. Or you can email us at sandy at AFR.net. That's sandy at AFR.net. And once again, you know, we're available on all podcast platforms. AFR.net is the mothership 
Uh, but we're available on uh, Spotify and Apple and all of those. So uh, I hope that you'll, you know, be able to tell your friends. I know a lot of people are still uh, not quite sure how to get to a podcast. It's all new to them. So maybe you could help your neighbor, help your friend, help your girlfriend, whoever it is that you know. You used to talk about Sandy Rios in the morning with them. Uh, and um, maybe you've had a little trouble accessing, or maybe they have. Maybe reach out and help them. That would be great. And we want to thank Preborn for being our sponsor. Man, oh man, do we thank them. We're so grateful. The saving of innocent lives is paramount here at Sandy Rios 24-7. And through our partnership with Preborn and with you, we are pushing back against the menacing forces that have been taking over 63 million lives and counting. Preborn network clinics bring hope to pregnant women considering abortion through ultrasound imaging so they can meet the precious life within them. Let's celebrate a life you saved. And here's the story of Victoria. Victoria actually means victorious, and that's exactly what happened in the story I'm going to tell you. Victoria was anxious when she found out she was pregnant. An internet search led her to a preborn network clinic where she would decide the future of her baby. After seeing her baby on ultrasound, an inexplicable bond was formed with her unborn baby so strong that she could not put it into words. She also felt, felt loved by her counselor, who assured her it was going to be okay. Thanks to Preborn and your generous donation, Victoria courageously chose life and is now eagerly awaiting her baby boy. That's because of you. If you'd like to be one of those that help, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. I want to bring my husband in because my retired FBI agent husband, Bruce, is my partner on this show and has uh, he's been listening to this conversation, haven't you, dear? Yes, I have. Hey, before, we, before you and I talk, I want you to hear Joe Biden weigh in on this because it's just so eloquent. Okay. It's a moment you don't want to miss. So let's listen. And by the way, in your home, you know, the batteries that we have now, and they're getting more and more sophisticated. You know, a lightning storm takes out all the electricity in the house. Guess what? You can plug your car into the house and make it light up. <laughs> you think I'm joking. It's a little simplistic, but literally you can. Literally you can. <laughs> oh, this summer. <laughs> it really is kind of exciting. I, 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 I get a little... We hope he's joking, but of course he's not joking. <laughs> he's not joking at all. Honey, uh, your thoughts on that and what, what we just heard Tom Pyle talk about. Well, can you believe that's our president making a statement like that? That just absolutely frightens me that he's leading not only our country but the free world. But uh, to go to what Tom spoke about, you know, this really is this whole electric car, um, what I would call fantasy that they're pushing through his administration. This is just another component of how this administration is trying to control our lives, whether it be gun control, uh, reproductive control. Uh, this is just another part of it. Um, when you break this down as a uh, across-the-board requirement that by 2030 we're going to have half the cars sold be electric cars, it's just a fantasy it's not a fun fantasy. It's scary. No, and you know, Bruce, we recently, you know, just a few months ago, six months, maybe a year, uh, we were experiencing the prices of used cars just skyrocketing because the car makers were not making cars. 
you know, for COVID and all of that. And this is exactly, I mean, that was a glimpse of what's going to happen, what, what Tom was talking about. Yeah, well, the reason for that was there were no microchips available, is what we were told. And guess where microchips are made? In China. And with China controlling 80% of the minerals that would be needed, they could cut us off in a minute. You think they wouldn't love to blackmail us in all kinds of ways to uh, get policy uh, concessions in exchange for, well, we'll go ahead and provide the minerals you need for your cars. And what better way to get people um, controlled than by taking away their means of transportation? You cannot get to work. You cannot get your kids to school. You cannot go on a vacation. Those are things that will make people knuckle under. Yes, I think so too. Uh, Because, uh, you know, people will trade a lot of things. Uh, They'll trade away their freedom. Uh, with the right kind of, with for food, they'll trade away their freedom for all kinds of things. And uh, this is a, kind of a scary moment where we see the potential of that. And I think actually even worse than that, uh, Bruce, what goes through my mind is the Chinese would just be happy to see us. I think their goal, based on the conversations I've had with Gordon Chang and other Chinese experts, their goal is much more insidious. It's not even controlling us on policy. It really is uh, coming in and replacing us as a citizenry. It's kind of frightening. Yeah, so this is just another way for them to do it. Yeah, and you know, uh, one of the things that I was noticing during the conversation, because you only have so much time, is we did not even get to some of the practical, of the other practical things that these cars would cause uh, problems with. If you heard them say 3,000-pound battery to uh, propel that Hummer vehicle, think of that. The normal car only weighs 2,000 pounds. Wow. Think of the stress on our highways. Oh, the highways. You think you have potholes now? You think you have road construction now? You wait till these heavy, heavy vehicles get on the road and start busting up the pavement. And uh, Plus, if your car breaks down, who's going to tow you? Right. Nobody can. And, and you know, you, you touched on it to a degree, but think about it. How do you power tractor trailers? How do you power jet airplanes, passenger planes? How do you power ships? And if we're going to have this exclusively here in the United States that you have to have electric vehicles, electric power, when we do commerce with foreign countries and they bring their ships here, how are we going to fuel their ships? Are we going to say, well, you know, you're going to have to have enough to get home because we don't have any more gasoline. We don't have any more diesel fuel. You're going to have to have an electric ship. That's ridiculous. Are we going to have electric tanks that go into war? Yes, you know seriously. You electric, have to electric think about jeeps. That. I mean, really, uh, it's it is just, it's a disaster. And uh, I, I just want to ex- encourage all of you to understand that this is not about this cute little car that's going to replace your gas guzzler. Um, and by the way, we had endless amounts of gasoline uh, in this country. We had found ways of doing it through fracking and all kinds of stuff until the Biden administration. And so it's a lie. Uh, that we have a limited resource of that. We have, it's really probably more true that we have a limited resource of electricity to uh, charge and, and uh, light our homes and keep us warm in the winter and power all the electric cars that they would have us cut, go into. So this is a dangerous time. Yeah, all right, honey, thanks for joining me. Let me just say, if you have a comment, remember you can call us at 662-821-2040. And I want to mention also, uh, Tom gave us the uh, website for... 
American Energy Alliance. So go to American Energy Alliance and for more information, more details about some of the things we've talked about that you can share with your friends. I just recommend it highly. All right, I hope you have enjoyed this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.